joy today to preach, as I say, on this passage, a passage that's dear to my heart, a passage of Scripture that really is at the foundation of who we are as a church. And so I hope that even as I preach, some things about who we are as a church will make sense even just from this passage of Scripture. I think you'll agree with me if I say that we live in a country that sadly even in these days, is more and more polarized. People aren't getting necessarily closer together. In many situations, people are even more separated than they were in 1994. It feels to me these days that if you read the news or you listen to the news or you watch the news, everyone seems to be guilty of something. Everyone is suspicious of each other, and everyone seems to be blame-shifting and angry. So the Rainbow Nation euphoria, you could say the honeymoon period, which lasted for a few, few years in South Africa, that euphoria has been replaced by a society that is struggling with the challenges of working out what does it mean to be a multicultural society and community. A society that has got deep historical and lingering inequalities and challenges. You know, many white person would say to you, if you start talking about our history, they would say, listen, but that's all over. You know, like 1994 happened. But that person is naive to think that the change that happened in 1994 has solved the massive, difficult problems in our nation. And yet the church of Jesus Christ, you guys, are the hope of the world. Just look at one another because you're the hope of the world. Just honestly look at each other. Tell each other we are the hope of the world. You are. You are the hope of the world. In a country that is struggling, this little insignificant group of people is the hope of the world. Why are we the hope of the world? We're the hope of the world because we are a new people who've been brought together in unity only by Jesus Christ. And so today's text is a text that has got real significance for us in South Africa. It's got significance for every church in South Africa, but it has specific significance for any church that is seeking to build like we're seeking to build here at Reconciliation Road Church. And so I want to ask that we pray that the Holy Spirit would bring revelation this morning as I preach. Can we do that? Let's just close our eyes. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it is authoritative. Thank you, Lord, that it can guide our hearts and cut right to our hearts and expose the things in our hearts and then fix them. And so, Lord, we pray that you bring revelation understanding today, that you would not only provoke us and stir us and encourage us, but you'd also challenge us. I ask that in Jesus' name, amen. So you might not have seen this before when you're reading your Bible, but if you read the Bible, and in particular if you read the New Testament, the New Testament account of the early church is a thoroughly multicultural, class-crossing story. The new church in the book of Acts and in the epistles, the church that you read about, is a thoroughly multicultural church. It's a church like ours. I don't have time to go into all of it, but right there at Pentecost, people are hearing 
God being praised in all of their different languages in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 10, in Cornelius' house, the gospel jumps past just Jews and right into the Gentile world. Hallelujah, if you're not Jewish today. In Acts chapter 15, we, we hear that the church gets together, that the leaders of the church get together, and they realize we need to unhitch the church from Jewish tradition and we need to hold on to the freedom that is ours in Jesus Christ. In Romans 14 and 15, we read about a church in Rome that has got Jews and Gentiles in the same church, and they're trying to work out what celebrations we should be celebrating and what laws do we follow and what laws don't we follow. In Galatians, we get this incredible uh, statement that Paul makes to the church there where he says, there is now therefore no Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor female. And in 1 Peter, this letter that's written to churches right across Asia Minor, we hear Peter saying, once you weren't a people, once you weren't all together, but now you are the people of God to the praise of His glory. Friends, right across the New Testament, there is a multicultural church like we see here today. In fact, a church that is not multicultural is not a New Testament church. Acts chapter 19, the church that receives the letter that we're studying at the moment, Acts chapter 19, that church got planted when Paul was preaching in the Jewish synagogue, and when opposition arose, he retreated to a hall right next to the synagogue called the Hall of Tyrannus. And he started to teach, not a Jewish congregation, but a multicultural congregation for two years. And so a multicultural church was born in Ephesus. And this church was not just multicultural, it was class crossing, rich and poor, because they had slaves and slave masters in the same church. And so Paul writes this to that church in his letter in Ephesians chapter 2, picking up on verse 11. Therefore, so he's writing to this multicultural church, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. So you Gentiles who were called uncircumcised by those who were circumcised, which is made by a flesh of hands, remember that you at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But, oh, this is a glorious but, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near, how? By the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. How? By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, so that he might create in himself one new man, one new people in the place of the two. Can you see that? You were two separate people, but in Jesus Christ, his purpose was to create one new people, so making peace. And he might reconcile us both to God. I hope you can see our name there. In one body through the cross, 
thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to you who are near. Through him we both have access to one spirit, in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. Is that not a rocking passage of Scripture or what? Let's take three things out of this passage of Scripture. Firstly, the state that we were in before we were saved is that we were separated. We were separated from God and we were separated from one another because that's what sin does. Sin separates us from God and it separates us brings animosity between people. That's what we're seeing out in the world. Separation, groups, tribalism, nationalism, separation, pain, it's all the root of sin. You know, we live in a country where the reality of being separated is actually all too real. And sometimes, in fact, it's just overwhelming. It's only been a short 24 years since we as a country legally removed signs like this. Signs like that were everywhere in our country. I say we removed the separation legally because every day people experience separation in their hearts and segregation and prejudice still today. Because in the reality, what we experience lags behind the law. Just this week, I was in a setting where out of the blue, two guys started speaking in such a way that was derogatory about my black brothers and sisters that I wanted to vomit. This week, they didn't know I was preaching on this, but this week, Stuff was coming out of their mouths, and I wanted to smack them in the face. Any black person working for someone like that would have to interact with them during the day, and that stuff would drip out, and no doubt you would experience potential pain because of ongoing prejudice. Friends, the signs might be gone but the heart has not changed automatically. Friends, we are finding out now still today in 2018 that human laws and regulations can not change the human heart. Only God can do that. And I want you to see that Paul is writing to a people who didn't live in South Africa, but they lived in a society just like ours with the same problems. Sometimes South Africans, we give ourselves a hard time. We think we're unique. We think this problem is a South African problem, and it is. But I'm telling you, we went to Canada, didn't we, Rob? And the more and more Rob and I spoke about restitution and reconciliation, more and more Canadians said, you know, these are the issues we need to grapple with, and we still haven't grappled with them. Friends, this is... The problems in our country are not a South African problem, they're a sin problem. But the good news is we know the answer to sin. Paul is reminding these Gentile believers who are in this church in Ephesus, he's essentially saying, hey, you need to remember who you were. 
before you knew Jesus Christ. He's reminding them of their state prior to salvation. You see, prior to being included in Christ, they were a ridiculed people. They were called circumcised. They were called all sorts of names. Sound familiar? They were called all sorts of derogatory names. They were excluded. They were outside of Christ. They had no hope of a Messiah. They were without the promises of God, and they were outside of the covenants. And Paul poignantly says they were without hope and without God in the world. These Gentiles were far off. I think these Gentiles were something like a little black boy 25 odd years ago or 30 years ago and in the old South Africa on a sweltering hot day who looked longingly at a pool just to the left of that sign. A gorgeous pool that was reserved for white people. You know, he might as well have been a thousand kilometers from that pool because although he could hear the sound of the water splashing and he could hear the chlorine, smell the chlorine, he was so far off because he couldn't get in and he couldn't participate. Friends, sin divides. It's the result of the fall. Separation with God was instantaneous when Adam and Eve sinned. And by chapter four of Genesis, we've got murder happening within a family. You've got separation and sin. And these gentle people who Paul is writing to, they knew about these things. They were treated as less than, they were given derogatory names, they had laws separating them and segregating against them, they had prejudice and relational separation. Friends, this is what all of us were prior to faith in Jesus Christ. We were far off from the joy and the wonder of God's promises. We were excluded from a relationship with God. We were excluded from his people. We were literally on the outside. But, the glorious but of scripture. Our second point from this passage is, but now, in Christ, we've been brought near. Verse 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. The glory of the good news shines brightest when it's held up against the dark backdrop of the bad news. Friends, the bad news in all of our lives is that our sin has separated us from God and one another. But the good news shines into that context and it declares a hope and a glory that is unimaginable. This is one of the glorious buts of Scripture. But now in Christ Jesus, we who are once far off have been brought near. Can you see the contrast there? You were far off, you have been brought near to God, and you've brought, been brought near to one another. I always say this, but I can't improve on it. If Jeanette, who's far off over there, and we pick on someone else, Victor. Victor, just stand up. Jeanette, could you stand up? They are separated from one another. They are hundreds of meters away from each other. Can you see that? But if Jeanette is brought near to Jesus, if Jeanette comes to the stage, okay, Jeanette, that's a hint. Jeanette comes to the stage, and if Victor comes to the stage, come, Victor. What's happening to their proximity? Sondela, Sondela. Okay, the problem with this picture is I'm not Jesus, 
okay? But as Jeanette comes to near to Jesus, and as Victor comes near to Jesus, what happens to their proximity? They become near, not just to Jesus, but near to one another. Give each other love, and then you can go your separate ways. Let's come back to that boy who was excluded from that pool. It's as if Jesus, do you remember that sign that says you can't come here? It's as if Jesus just came and he went to that sign and he just went, and he just ripped it out and said, jump in, boy. And this is what, this is what that boy looks like now, huh? <laughs> Jesus took the things that separated us, and when we put our faith in him, he just rips up, he shreds the things that used to separate us, and he says, jump in. Everything is possible. How did this happen? Well, the law didn't change. Jesus finished his work on the cross. And because Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. And because Jesus died and because Jesus rose again victorious, Jesus himself said, if you lift me up, I will draw all men, all people to myself. And they'll become a new people. And that is exactly what happens. And so the long depressing list of verse 12 in Ephesians 2 gets overturned by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so two distinct things have happened. Firstly, we get brought near to God. We were separated. We were far off, but we get reconciled. That's verse 16. We got reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. I hope you can hear our vision statement there. And so now we have free access into the presence of God because we are not separated from God, but we belong in His presence because we are none less than the children of God. Verse 19 says, we belong in the household of God. And that gives us a new relationship with other people, which is the second thing. So you can put both points up, Tessa. The second thing is that because we've been brought near to Christ, we have also got a new relationship with one another. If you've become the child of God and I've become the child of God, that makes us brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And so our old separation that used to keep us apart, it, it required a creative miracle by Jesus, but it is totally overturned by the power of Jesus' death and resurrection. And so our separation from one another is history, it's past tense. Jesus has ripped that thing up, and he's made it possible for us to be one. And so this passage says that God, through Jesus, made two, in our situation it's not two, it's many, he made the many one new people in Christ Jesus. That's what verses 13 through 15 says, one new man out of the previously divided Diverse people. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, you can go read it, it's probably my favorite passage of scripture on this, says that God's purpose was to create this new people that hadn't previously existed, and the whole point of that people would be that God would get the glory. That when people looked at them and said, how did this happen? God would be praised. And friends, that is what the church is. God's children God's new people, God's family, who've been supernaturally brought together by a work of Jesus Christ on the cross. In His wisdom and His grace, 
God has decided to bring diverse people like you and I together and to make us who hadn't been a people before into the new people who are in Christ Jesus. Which brings me to our third and final point. Why does this matter? Why does this matter? This matters. This passage matters. This topic matters. This church matters because of God's purpose for the church and for our church. God has a purpose. You might have thought church's purpose was that you would have somewhere to go on Sunday morning. That's not the purpose of the church. We're not in the entertainment industry. God has a purpose for his people. Friends, the church has a role to play in society. Would you agree with me? At least Keegan does. The church has a role to play in society. Okay, I'm going to say it again. The church has a role to play in society. Okay. Churches are not meant to be a bomb shelter. Just have a look at this. Some churches are like that picture. There's only one door, and you don't know where it is unless you're in. And everyone goes into the church, and we shut the door, and we're waiting for Jesus to come back. Some churches are like that. The world doesn't know where they are. They're irrelevant to the world. And we're just hiding there, and as long as we keep the door shut, Jesus will save us one day. We don't believe in that. Okay, next, some churches think that we're supposed to be like a thermometer. We just read the temperature of the culture, and we adjust ourselves to whatever is happening in the culture so that we can represent whatever's happening in the culture. Greg, you don't agree with that? We are definitely not that. <laughs> okay? What is the church? Friends, we are to be a kingdom people. We to be the family of God on the earth. We to be an outpost of heaven on the earth. We to be a foretaste of heaven on the earth. One day, all of the effects of sin, the separation with God, the, the, the separation between us, the enmity between people, one day Jesus will declare, behold, I make all things new. But he's already declared that in the church. And so in the church, we should be this community of the kingdom of heaven on the earth, putting on display the glory of God now in the earth. I want to remind you how I started. Our country is still reeling and struggling. We are the hope of the world because we're the outpost of heaven, because we're the kingdom of God on the earth. Because we've been reconciled to God, we can and have been reconciled to one another. And because we are walking with God, God is overturning all the baggage from the effects of sin and growing up in this country. Praise God, that's the journey that we're on. That's what we call Reconciliation Road Church. As I just told you this week, again, I witnessed, and no doubt you have witnessed many times, in our nation, our nation's people, our communities, our schools, our workplaces, they're still broken and they're still breaking people. Would you agree with me? We still experience this today, don't we? People are still separated. People are still resentful. People are still dishonoring of one another. 
People are still afraid of one another, and people are still full of prejudice. And if we're honest, sometimes these thoughts and fears and wrong ways of thinking, they're still in our hearts too. Just the other day, Nadine and I went to the beach for a walk, and pipeline was pumping. Not the waves, the parking lot. It, who's been to pipeline for a, for a boot bry? Huh? Wade and Jane, you know what I mean? Sometimes you can hear a pipeline from your house. Pipeline was pumping. Sorry, babe, I didn't ask you for your permission. And Nadine grabbed my hand a little bit tighter because there was a crowd of people. And then she suddenly said, why do I feel slightly unsafe? Just because the majority of people are not white? And then she relaxed her hand and we just said, we need to just keep bringing these things to Jesus and ask Jesus, that is not a godly thought. Why would I think a certain thing just because of the color of the people in proximity to me? Friends, my wife wouldn't even say boo to a goose. She's the most wonderful person on the planet. But sometimes these things rise up in our hearts. I was stopped just two weeks ago, Sunday evening, Someone who's been on an amazing faith journey this year, uh, um, a couple, don't want to tell too much, uh, but a couple, and, and one of the spouses spoke to me and said, we're really on a journey about this whole multi, it was actually last week, so it was at our, our thanks, uh, Thanksgiving Sunday when we were all together, and this person was just saying, I think we're still a bit racist, we're we, we, we just on this journey, and I said, well, you're in the right place. Friends, if you're honest... Stereotypes, prejudice, fears that just crop up. Where did that come from? Assumptions, conclusions. You come stand here if you've never thought like that. Because you're not South African. My assumption is that every person who comes around that, that corner has got racist problems until they get zapped by Jesus. And even then, it's a process. Would you agree with me? It's a process. And we're gonna end today by praying, Lord, please help me. But I want to say to you that we are the hope of our country. Friends, we're the hope of, well, I'm not saying that proudly, I'm not saying that arrogantly, I'm saying that looking to Jesus and knowing he did it all. But a church like this is worth fighting for. When we show you bar graphs and we're not at 150%, you better start praying we get to 150% because there have been times where we've nearly had to close the door. And people will say to you, you can't build a church like this. Yes, we can in Jesus Christ. Amen. The church in Ephesus was doing it 2,000 years ago, and I'm sure there were Jewish people saying, you can't meet with these Gentiles. And there were Gentiles saying, you can't meet with Jews. You've got to have two churches. No. Heaven is one community in Jesus Christ. Amen? And so it's worth fighting for this church because this is what God's called us to do, and this is the hope of our nation, and I've gone totally off my topic. Friends, we're to be such a provocation to our country that our country comes to us 
as it says in 1 Peter 3.15 and says, please explain why you're still hopeful about this nation. I often get that already. Why are you upbeat about this nation? Because I know Jesus and I see his people. And I'm seeing something that I'm not seeing out there in the world. Friends, we need to be such a provocation that people say, give us an account for the hope that you have. And our answer is going to be nothing other than, we are not clever. People ask me if I write a book. No, I'm not going to write a book. Because it's so short, because it's got one page and it's got one word and it just says, Jesus. That's my book. If you want a book, it just says, Jesus, because only Jesus. If you look in the passage, this one new people is in Christ Jesus by the power of the blood of Jesus. He did this, this unity, this peace, this reconciliation of relationships we see before us, the joy that we have as a church, it's all because of Him, and it's only possible in Him. It's because of Him, and it's for His glory. Hallelujah. Friends, being part of a church like this, like our church, is not some sideshow for, for keen beans in South Africa that haven't decided to get a visa to leave. This church is significant because it's what Jesus is doing in our nation. Other churches might be more comfortable, they might be more like me, more white English, more Afrikaans, more Indian, more Zulu, more Kosa, more Sutu. They might be more trendy, but this church is what we desperately need in this nation, churches like this. So may we build this church, may we build the church God's building in Reconciliation Road, and may we allow God to keep redeeming our lives and changing us. May we ask God to keep ridding us of the sinful baggage that was given to us by being born here or living here the attitudes, the feelings, and the prejudices. May we reach out and take the opportunities that we have in this church to grow in relationship with others who are different from us. One of my greatest joys, you can come and have a look at them. If I, if I had the technology, I'd put it on the screen. I'm looking at two photos of two community groups who had their final meeting this week. In fact, I've seen three. And each of these groups are gloriously multicultural, and it just makes me happy, because this is the kingdom of God. This is the hope of the world. Friends, you've got an opportunity in this church. You should come in the evening sometime. We need you in the evening to change the evening. There's guys in the evening who don't even know you. Some of them met you last week. There's people who need to come from the evening and visit in the morning. We need to take the opportunities we've got. I want to encourage you, summer Sundays, one meeting, four o'clock, we changed it for both services. Such an opportunity to get to know people you don't yet know that are part of your same church. I want to encourage you. We are one new people. Jesus died and rose again to create. Let's be that people. Amen. Can I ask you to stand? We're just going to pray briefly as we close. I think this is one of those where maybe you should hold the hand of the person next to you. If you're not next to anyone, shame on you. <laughs> I'm joking. Just get near to someone.
Come, Katiba, you just need to grab Jabu there. Okay, there you go. You got someone. Great. Let's close our eyes together. Let's pray. You are the hope of the world because of Jesus Christ. Why don't you just, in your own words, just thank Jesus. I don't even know how you got into this church, but thank Him that He's put you here. Thank Him that He's doing a work in your life. Just thank Him. Thank Him that once you were far off, but now you've been made near through faith in Jesus Christ. And all the promises of God are yours now in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What an incredible work you've done. Just in this moment, even while you're holding someone else's hand, I just want to ask you, is there anything that is hiding in your heart towards other people who are different from you that you know the Holy Spirit's put his hand on today, then just repent of that. Just give it to Jesus. Just say, Lord, help me. You know he's gonna help you because he came, he died so that he could make one new people. He could make you brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Just give that to God. Give that attitude, give that fear, give that worry, give that prejudice, give that stereotype. Just give it to Jesus. Just confess it. Just say, Lord, Please forgive me of this. Towards that person, those people, that I ask that in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for your church. I thank you for the unity that is ours in Jesus Christ that's represented here this morning. And Lord, I thank you that we are quite literally the hope of the world along with many other churches. And so Lord, we say, do your work deep in our hearts, I pray. I pray that we would take the opportunities that we got Lord, that we would build relationships across all divisions. Lord God, that we would build relationships that become the most meaningful friendships. Lord, that we truly would be brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we pray that we'd be a provocation and a help to our nation. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.